0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
1: And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Wow, the farm bill battle continues. House Democrats and Republicans really at an impasse, and it doesn't seem like uh, they're getting any closer to getting this resolved. Yesterday, House Democrat committee staff held a briefing in uh, in Washington, D.C. with the media to share their views of what they feel the committee is going to do on uh, the nutrition title. They are very much opposed to what they say will be broad cuts. They are saying an estimated 1 million people could be cut from food stamps as part of this plan, up to $20 billion cut. Over a decade, even though the plan has not been officially released yet, uh, they are reacting to that already. We heard earlier in the week from the ranking member of the House Ag Committee, Colin Peterson, about these concerns and these objections by House Democrats. Today, we will hear from the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Congressman Mike Conaway, will be joining us to give his side of this and his reaction to all the, the criticism by Democrats and the impasse they are at right now with the farm bill on the house ag committee and the prospects of moving forward with this and, and getting through this impasse so house ag committee chair mike conaway will join us later in the program also today we're going to talk trade with colin woodall with the national cattlemen's beef association and davy stevens vice president of the american soybean association but coming up first right now we want to preview a big day coming up tomorrow usda's acreage and stocks report will be out much anticipated here to talk about it is arlen suderman chief commodities economist for intl fc stone arlen good to talk with you thanks for joining us
2: good morning mike great to be here
1: It is much anticipated, especially those acres numbers and a lot of people looking to see will there be uh, uh, more soybean acres than corn acres. What do you think?
2: Well, based on our surveys, and we've been surveying off and on through the winter every couple of months, and uh, there's been pretty consistent message there that there will be a modest increase in soybean acreage. I think uh, the bigger question is, is will it take any away from corn? Or not, but uh, we're looking for at least 92 million acres of corn, which is a little bit higher than where the trade's at right now.
1: Yeah, the thought was kind of close to 90, 90, right?
2: Yeah, that's where the uh, that's where the USDA outlook form was and their numbers, which they came up with in the fall and, of course, released in February as well. We see a little bit more of interest in soybeans now. The price relationships this spring have changed somewhat. Uh, But soybeans have looked a little bit more attractive in recent years. For a long time, they they seem to be seeing a yield drag relative to corn. Corn advancing yields faster than soybeans, and recent years seems to have closed that gap a little bit. Of course, uh, the more years that we've had with uh, low prices, um, coming up with the money to put the input costs on has kind of given an advantage to soybeans as well.
1: And, of course, we know weather plays a part in that, ultimately, what are, what's planted, right?
2: Yeah, exactly right. There's a lot of focus on acreage for tomorrow's report, but the bottom line is I, I really don't expect the type of surprise that will be traded very long on the acreage side of tomorrow's report uh, because the bottom line is yield will make a much bigger impact than what will acres uh, in the bottom. So it comes down to what kind of planting season do we have? That can shift acreage, one or two million either way, and then what kind of growing season do we have then to, uh, uh, to create the yields? Are we going to have another big year where uh, yields surprise to the high side, or are we going to encounter some stress along the way?
1: What about some of the other crops other than corn and soybeans? What are you expecting on acreage?
2: Well, we're looking for an increase in, in cotton acreage, and uh, it's particularly going to be interesting to see in the southern plains where we lose some winter wheat acres. Yes, we've had some showers there, but that came too late for some of that Texas, Oklahoma, and southwest Kansas wheat. So I think we'll see some increased acreage there. Sorghum acreage will increase a little bit, um, looking for around 5.8, 5.9 million acres, not as big of an increase as I would have been at. Here, prior to China starting to make threats about tariffs on grain sorghum. That really collapsed the price, and farmer interest really dropped off for grain sorghum. But some of those farmers in that area really don't have a whole lot of choice if they're too far north for cotton. They don't have a whole lot of choice other than wheat and grain sorghum, so they're kind of in a pinch.
1: We're talking with Arlen Suderman, chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone, looking ahead to tomorrow's USDA acreage and stocks report. All right. A lot of talk about the acreage uh, report. What about on the stock side? What are you expecting there, Arlen?
2: Well, expected to confirm big wheat stocks. We simply have too many uh, bushels of uh, low-protein wheat out there in storage, and we have a variable storage rate that encourages that storage and hanging on to it and pays for storage. And uh, we're going to continue to confirm that uh, was somewhere between 1.47 uh, and 1.5 billion bushels of wheat. On the corn side, I'm a little bit friendlier in what the trade is. When you look on the how many cattle were pulled off pasture early because of the drought in the plains, um, I think we're going to see a little bit bigger feed usage than what the trade is anticipating. I'm looking for a number of 8.612 billion bushels. Uh, as opposed to, and that's very close to where we were a year ago, and that would be significant. That would be a positive for the trade. The trade's looking now for one point, Excuse me, 8.7 billion bushels. There are some that are a little less optimistic, thinking that we're feeding a lot more DDGs, which we are, but I think those cattle on feed longer terms because coming in lightweight and, and on feed longer is going to start showing up in this report and the next report. And on soybeans, again, confirming that we've got large soybean supplies over 2 billion bushels.
1: Arlen, what's your take on all the trade news and tariffs and retaliation and you know what's happening with NAFTA or not happening? Uh, we know markets do not like uncertainty. Is all this weighing on the markets?
2: I think it definitely is. Uh, first of all, we definitely saw it with grain sorghum, although I think China's actions there had more to do with the fact that they wanted to eliminate some competition before bringing on the next onslaught of lower quality reserve corn this spring onto the market and they wanted to do so without grain sorghum being available to compete with it uh, but it sure made a, a nice political issue and it was effective for them uh, on the soybean side i do not expect them to take action on soybeans unless they feel like we will flinch and uh... the issue will be settled before fall when they need the soybeans because otherwise they would be punishing us they were talking about soybeans right up until the end but then on the day when they announced their tariffs and their retaliatory tariffs Buenos Aires grain exchange came out with a sub 40 million metric ton estimate for argentina and i think that kind of sealed that they weren't going to do it then uh, when i saw their reaction overall i thought that just confirms my thoughts that they don't want a trade war they have more to lose than what we do even though it would it, we're already feeling some of that pain uh, notice on the soybeans that uh, all it takes is a threat, just like grain sorghum, and even though soybeans in the United States right now are priced cheaper than they are in Brazil and Argentina because of a strong basis there, we're still seeing sales go that way because end users are still scared of what might happen before those beans get shipped.
1: All right, Arlen, big day coming up tomorrow with all the USDA numbers. Thanks for the preview and your thoughts. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Mike.
1: Take care. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the Vice President of the American Soybean Association, Davey Stevens. How does he feel about all the trade talk with China and potential retaliations? We just heard Ireland say he thinks China doesn't want a trade war. That would certainly be good news. We'll get Davy Stevens' thoughts coming up next. And, of course, later in the program, the chairman of the House Ag Committee, Mike Conway. Stay with us. It's AOA Adams on Agriculture.
3: Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. FastLine has just released its newest feature, the Price Comparison Tool. The Price Comparison Tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the Price Comparison Tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com.
4: I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month, and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone.
0: For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126.
5: Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Hello, I'm Mike Mandel, the inventor of My Pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented My Pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. (laughs)
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture.
1: Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Happy to have with us Davey Stevens from Clinton, Kentucky. He's vice president of the American Soybean Association. Davey, thanks for joining us. How's the weather in Clinton, Kentucky?
7: Well, it's quite wet, Mike. It's quite wet. We've received probably... Two and a half inches so far for the last two days. Uh, there's another two inches predicted between now and Friday, around I don't know, mid morning to noon. And so we're just kind of holding on and just dealing with a lot of rain and just watching the river rise right now.
1: Farmers getting antsy, anxious to get out into the fields.
7: Oh, of course. I mean, farmers in general this time of year, you know, just are ready to just lace up the boots and get to work, get their hands dirty, and. Equipment's, in, you know, equipment's been gone through. We're just kind of waiting. We're probably two weeks behind where we would normally be at this point, but just getting uh, uh, the ground ready for planting.
1: Well, one thing about it, when you finally get out there, you'll have moisture, right?
7: We'll have plenty of moisture, and <laughs> that's what's tricky this time of year is making sure you don't go too quick, but, but farmers... Uh, farmers have uh, uh, figured out, and even though we're behind, I'd rather have moisture going in than not having any, like
1: we've had in the past. Yeah, it's it's somewhat comforting to get in there on time or even a little early. But if it's you get it in and it's dry, and you're worried about that next rain, that then uh, you're not feeling so good. So uh, I guess you're right. It's that balancing act of trying to be patient and uh, looking at the bright side. It's good to have the moisture rather than not have it. So, all right, let's move on yeah. to, to trade, Davey. Um, we were just uh, talking in our last segment with uh, ag economist Arlen Suderman, and he feels that China does not want a trade war, that they would have more to lose than we would. So, he, he's not feeling nearly as nervous or anxious about the possible retaliation, say, on, on uh, soybeans. Uh, do you feel that way, or what's your take on this?
7: Well, as I'm very concerned uh, because I don't want a retaliation. You know, I want to be optimistic about it, but if they impose, you know, approximately $60 billion in tariffs under Section 301 as well as the 25 on steel and, and, and the aluminum, I mean 10% on the aluminum, that would be a big concern, whether I'm exporting soybeans or whether I'm trying to modify or add to my granary or, or a building I may want to build. So it it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword there on what it could affect you, whether it be exports or what we're trying to do on the farm, you know, with just building or purchasing equipment.
1: Overall, the Trump administration policies, uh, do you feel they're kind of testing your patience? Are you anxious, or are you still uh, uh, hopeful and optimistic it's all going to turn out all right?
7: I'm hopeful and optimistic it'll turn out all right. Um, You know, this administration's, uh, been one where, you know, having to adjust to and, and see how it works and all that plays in the background, but we've had to do with other administrations over the years, and and, and, and so I'm very optimistic, you know, on what the government's going to put in place that will, you know, be fine for what farmers are going to do going forward. I, I try to keep an optimistic approach on, on a lot of things, but I try to be a realist too, and, and so I'm hoping that everything gets worked out and... We move forward in, in a way that, the, that you know, the, the soybeans are still going out of this country like they've normally
1: been. And NAFTA, of course, are watching those talks. They seem to be kind of dragging on. We've seen reports now out of the administration of just the realities of the calendar and the elections and things like that, wondering if uh, they can get anything really done or finalized this year. looks like it could drag on a while, Davey.
7: It could drag on a while. Uh, I know we're worried about the trades first and you know first and foremost but we also we're up for a farm bill this year and, and making sure we, we do our due diligence on getting a farm bill in place for these farmers. Uh, you know not just myself but just farmers and across the nation and put something in place that we know we've got uh, a farm bill that's going to you know, allow that to happen and us to continue for the next few years.
1: Well, we're going to be talking a little bit later in this program with the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway. There's a yeah, big sure, impasse uh-huh. right now, right now between Republicans and Democrats over the nutrition title. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of partisan politics uh, now in the House Ag Committee, something that you know, we see in, in Congress as a whole. But a lot of times uh, they've not, we've not seen that as much in the Ag Committees, but it looks like now it's there as well. Uh, a lot at stake. What does the American Soybean Association want to see in this next farm bill?
7: Well, first and foremost, um, the concerns on on farmers' minds are, are crop is crop insurance and keeping that crop insurance um, as what we need to to move forward with planting a crop. And 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 having that there in place gives farmers gives farmers the optimism of, of it's going to be fine, and we can still plant our crop, and we're going to be We'll continue business as usual. But that's that, that's probably the biggest concern I've heard. The trade is truly big on their minds now, what's in front of them. But it, it, it's probably not as what's on their – and I'm talking about in, in Western Kentucky here. When you go out and you're just visiting with different farmers, they're really concerned about the crop insurance being put in place, that being a viable tool going forward for how that would, you know, just uh, make sure that we're able to farm next year and the years to come. If it's How needed, has if it's needed.
1: yeah? How has ARC and PLC worked in your area, and do farmers there want to see any changes?
7: Well, the, the the ARC and PLC has worked great over the last few years. I I would I'm just from just talking to friend farmer friends of mine. That's probably the the, it, the it's more ARC than the PLC. But the way commodity prices are now, we may see a shift in that and there'll be more PLC under the new farm bill. I, I'm just not certain how that'll play out and you know, and I know with the with our trade issues that's lingering in the background on what that may be too or what dictates the PLC.
1: We're talking with Davy Stevens from Clinton, Kentucky. He's vice president of the American Soybean Association. Davey, tomorrow the uh, acreage and stocks report will be out from USDA. A lot of uh, speculation about how high will the uh, soybean acres number be. What are you seeing in your area? Any shift in acres? Do you see uh, farmers going to more soybeans or pretty much just sticking to their traditional uh, rotations?
7: You know, that's a very good question, Mike, because uh, with with the commodity prices right now, before the discussion of, of of the tariffs and how that would play out came. You know, came to the forefront. You know, everyone around here was uh, a lot of people around here were saying, "I'm going to ship to soybeans," and and that's what was kind of on their mind. You know, the the I can I can do better in that market at that price as opposed to what I can do in in the corn market at that price. So with that being said, now that the the trade issue has come out, you really got them scratching their head on well, what if that doesn't happen? What if we lose that market? Do I need to go back to corn? So there's a lot of uncertainty, and probably in my area, with the amount of rainfall we've had, and people are not in the field, there's still times to shift those acres, but I truly believe it it it, it, the, it was more of a focus on going to the soybean, but, the, but with the deal with the administration, that's got everyone kind of a little bit concerned about which way do I go, but I think we will see it in my area. There'll be more acres that are swapped to soybeans as opposed to the traditional rotation.
1: So maybe some second thoughts because of some of these trade issues. But yet, uh, when all said and done, especially if you wind up with a very late spring, that could uh, even push more acres into soybeans.
7: Yes, if we wind up with a very late spring, we will have to uh, swap the soybeans, and that's that's with any year, Mike. Uh, because you know I'm I'm in the South enough that um, it's, it's always an old saying in the South you're always one week away from a drought and not necessarily in my area but that is that is true to some extent so that will be something that gets swapped as we get later into the planting season on what is done every year regardless regardless of of insurance crop insurance or I mean regardless of the tariffs or of the farm bill or that's what usually happens every year that we see. Because that's, you know, soybean's very resilient, and it can take that late planting and still make a crop. Or corn at that planting at that time is really, um, it's kind of more of an iffy, and, and it's just it's just more of a concern.
1: All right, Davey, I appreciate you being with us, and hope you get some dry weather soon so you can get out there and get those planters rolling. Thanks a lot, and uh, good luck to you as you get ready to move later this year into the President's Chair for the American Soybean Association. Thank you, Davey.
7: Well, I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much, Mike. All right, Davey Stevens, Vice President of the American Soybean Association from Clinton, Kentucky, and as you heard him say, they're already a couple of weeks behind on planting there because of wet weather. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Colin Woodall, Senior Vice President Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. want to talk trade with him. Uh, we have the newly done, uh, redone U.S.-South Korea trade deal doesn't look like agriculture played much of a part there, so they can redo a trade deal without impacting agriculture, it looks like. We'll get his thoughts on that, as well as NAFTA and a lot of other key issues as well. Uh, for the beef industry. And then uh, later in the program, the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway, will give us his thoughts on the uh, impasse in his committee over the nutrition title of the Farm Bill and how he reacts to some of the opposition that Democrats have been expressing about the nutrition proposal. That's all coming up. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture.
4: If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C. Choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location.
0: Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734.
3: It's time now for a market check from Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Grain and soybean futures drifting ahead of the upcoming quarterly grain stocks and planting intentions numbers from USDA on Thursday. Traders somewhat reluctant to take large positions ahead of the numbers. You might have heard ag economist Arlen Suderman of INTL FC Stone talking about the general expectations just a moment ago. USDA will release its prospective plantings and quarterly grain stocks numbers at 11 Central Time on Thursday. According to DTN, the average trade guess for corn 89.3 million acres, soybeans 90.9, spring wheat eleven point six million acres if verified those numbers would reflect a 900,000 acre year-to-year decrease in corn and 800,000 acre increase in soybeans 600,000 acre increase in wheat Minneapolis spring wheat May is trading down four and three quarters at 588 and a half an hour into the trading day Chicago wheat trending three and a fraction lower In corn, we're a fraction to a penny lower. May at 372 and three quarters, down a penny. That contract not moving too far from its recent zone. Support at 369 and a quarter, resistance at 380 and three quarters. Tuesday selling in soybeans, leaving the May contract vulnerable to a test of 1009 and a quarter. The daily low for March 23rd, currently 1017 and a half, down two. Livestock at the Merck, live cattle futures, 22 to 45 cents lower in the nearbys. Feeder cattle, 45 to 72 cents higher. Lean hog futures, nearby April, down 60 cents at 57.12. Outside markets, the Dow up 19, S&P down 4, NASDAQ down 4, crude oil down 74. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network.
6: Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit? Low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Information America's
0: farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: And welcome back, and we welcome back Colin Woodall, Senior Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Colin, good to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us.
8: Good morning, Mike. Good to be with you.
1: All right. We've uh, evidently got a new... (laughs) and hopefully, I guess, improved U.S.-South Korea trade deal, and evidently they were able to make changes without it negatively impacting agriculture. So do we look upon this as, hey, it's a, a sign they can do trade deals without harming agriculture? Should we, Is that the positive way to look at this?
8: it is the positive way to look at it matter of fact it's kind of the old adage: it's crazy like a fox you know we were all concerned that the president was gonna renegotiate these agreements and now we have agreements that are actually getting finalized and they didn't hurt us which is exactly what we wanted so the news is that the agreement is uh... been completed in principle And so it's just going to be a matter of doing a few more final formal actions in order to put it back in place. But the word is that on the beef trade situation, they didn't touch anything, which is exactly what we asked them to do. So we're excited about this because South Korea in 2017 was our number two market. It was worth about $1.2 billion. In order to maintain it, we had to keep in the... uh, uh, the, the trade agreement. We had to keep that going. So we're excited that we're going to keep the course agreement in place and markets like certainty. So we think that this will uh, help us continue to be a big player in that South Korean beef market.
1: But you were kind of holding your breath, though, weren't you, when you heard they were going to start uh, tinkering with it?
8: Oh, it was it was more than holding our breath, Mike. We were we were just down, downright concerned uh, because it was working very well. And we knew it was working very well. And history shows that when you go in and start tinkering with things that are working well, it doesn't always uh, turn out the way you want it to, and that, that, was, that was very concerning. But the fact that it, uh, it is now done, and it happened so quickly, relatively, because the first talks didn't even start until January, so here we are end of March, and it's already done, that's, that's a good sign, and uh, hopefully we can then take what we learned in this process and apply it to the efforts to finish up the NAFTA renegotiation talks.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Does that give you hope for NAFTA? Now, we we get a lot of mixed signals. On one hand, you hear, oh, there's optimism that something's going to happen, and then uh, you'll hear another story that, boy, it looks like it's going to be tough to get it done this year with the the calendar being what it is with uh, elections and things like that. What are you hearing about uh, the timetable for NAFTA?
8: We're still very optimistic in this entire uh, process. matter of fact, more optimistic now than we were six months ago mike and that is just based upon the success of the last two rounds the fact that we don't hear the president talking about withdrawal as much as we once did and that all the negotiators are very much still engaged everybody knows all three countries know that this has to be done before the mexican presidential election that continues to come up and we continue to hear across the board that the goal is to get it done well in advance of that now, again, here it is, end of March, so July is going to be here before we know it, but that is plenty of time to get this all completed. As we just talked about, it uh, only took them three months to get the chorus deal done, and they've already, they've already made a lot of progress on NAFTA. Uh, much like the chorus agreement with NAFTA, we asked them to leave the beef and cattle trade provisions alone. So far, that's what they have done. Now it's just a matter for us to try to get it done. Uh, again, it's, it's back to this uh, uncertainty that comes about when you don't have a finalized agreement we want that certainty moving forward and so we're we are optimistic that we can get this done before the mexican presidential election
1: this is certainly more tricky i mean can they fix areas say like automobiles leave cattle alone and fix dairy i mean that's that's a lot to juggle right there
8: it is a lot to juggle, especially on the dairy conversation. That's one that I, I wish I had a few more details for you on, but I don't think anybody really has those right now. We all know that that will be a big part of uh, whether or not they get the NAFSA 2.0 completed, though, is what happens on dairy. So so stand by on that because that, uh, that could potentially be a stumbling block.
1: Talking with Colin Whittall, Senior Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Okay, let's look at China. Um, now we're hearing china maybe you know they're they don't want to trade war maybe it's not going to be as bad as we originally feared as far as retaliation and things like that but what's your assessment of this uh, uh, situation with the policy of tariffs and 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 potential retaliation what happens in the wto Uh, where are we headed with this you think
8: you know we're we're still very concerned with what has transpired thus far and even though, yes, it looks like there is an effort to try to keep this from being an all-out trade war, uh, we, we can't rest until we know for sure. You know, We've already seen some draft lists. It was a discussion of putting pork on that. We know that if there is more pork staying here domestically than there is going overseas, that that's going to have an impact on us and we're trying to make sure the administration is very clear in that it doesn't matter whether or not beef is on the list if other agricultural commodities are it's still going to have an impact on us we all uh kind of work together here in uh, in our success and so that's that's why we have to keep a close eye on it uh the WTO process is is long and convoluted so we hope that that is not the ultimate arbiter of uh, where this shakes out we hope it's a government to government discussion on uh, on how we can just continue to, to, to go about the normalization of, uh, of, of the trade discussion. You, you look at what we were able to do last year in 2017 in reestablishing our access into the Chinese market, even though it has been very slow and we're still ramping up, it was a, it was a great move. And we would really hate to see uh, the WTO get in there and, and slow the process down of, uh, of how the overall resolution between the two countries is, is handled.
1: You bring up a good point—one that probably a lot of people don't think about. You know, when pork was, a, you know, named on that list of potential uh, retaliatory uh, products, uh, people would think, "Well, okay, beef dodged a bullet there." But as you say, if we move less pork to China and more pork stays here, that's more competition in the meat case. It's already a, a crowded meat case uh, right now. Uh, that does impact beef
8: it does impact beef. And when we look at the amount of meat that we expect to come into the market here over the rest of 2018, thanks to not only our herd expansion, but also people making decisions based upon the drought that's settling back into cattle country right now, it could have a huge impact. And and that is a a key component because a lot of the policymakers will look at these lists and they'll say, well, beef's not on it, so NCBA should be happy right now. And that's just not a realistic way to look at it. We all know that whether we are grain, whether we're other competing proteins, that we all have an impact on each other. And so if any of our friends in agriculture are on a list, then that's bad for us too.
1: Let's talk farm bill. Um, Where are we at with your efforts to get uh, funding for a vaccine bank and tell us again why you feel that's so important I mean we see reports like of a hoof and mouth disease outbreak in another part of the world that reminds us of uh, how vulnerable we can be and how important something like a vaccine bank is.
8: So We still have a lot of sympathy up on the hill. Uh, we have heard from both Chairman Roberts and Chairman Conaway that they understand our our need And it goes back to this being a scenario where right now we are exposed because we don't have a vaccine bank that is prepared for reintroduction of foot and mouth disease, whether that's an intentional reintroduction or an accidental reintroduction. So I think there is consensus that the threat exists, but like everything right now, it's a matter of money. Um, this is a significant request we're asking for seven hundred fifty million dollars total it's a hundred fifty million dollars a year for each year of uh... of the farm bill that's, uh, that's nothing to sneeze at uh, we understand that we understand that there's going to be some hard choices to find that money uh... if it can be found and as of right now we're not aware that it has been found so we continue to work with the committee to see if if there are some options to uh... to 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 fill that void Uh, but we also all have to go into this well aware that even though we have a lot of sympathy on the committee, if the money's just not there, that we may not get this thing done, but it is still a priority for us.
1: A lot of money, yes, to fund it, but it's uh, a small amount compared to the potential loss and damage if we had an outbreak and did not have the vaccines.
8: Mike, that is a great point, and it's one of the things that we use with the committee and also with USDA is that hundred fifty million dollars a year pales in comparison to the billions that we would expect would be needed to respond to an outbreak of foot mouth disease uh, everything from the not only the actual response but the indemnification of these animals uh, the depopulation of these animals uh, it was several billion dollars of avian influenza and we know that that would be uh, two to three times if not more for cattle in FMD so uh, it's a pretty cheap insurance policy when you look at the big picture
1: and really and a lot of people don't look at it this way but really it's a national security issue
8: it is a national security issue because foot and mouth disease not only impacts us in the cattle industry it also impacts our friends in the pork industry and the sheep industry and we know just given the nature of the disease that the spread would be rampant and so it is an impact on the overall food supply of this country and that is a reason why we have also not only brought in USDA but it's also engaged the Department of Homeland Security and members of the homeland security committees on the house and senate to truly try to understand why we're doing this and why it's it's more than just an animal disease issue it is a national security and food supply issue
1: colin thanks a lot always enjoy the conversation we'll talk again soon thank you mike take care colin woodall senior vice president government affairs for the national cattleman's beef association good lead-in to our next guest we're going to talk farm bill with the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway from Texas. What about this impasse between Republicans and Democrats on the House Ag Committee over the nutrition title? Democrats are saying big, big cuts are being proposed by the Republicans. Could be up to $20 billion over a decade, an estimated 1 million people taken off the food stamp program as part of this plan. What is uh, the reaction to that by Chairman Conaway, a plan that has not even been uh, made public yet but already being criticized? And how much does this threaten getting a farm bill done this year? We'll talk with the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway, next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
0: Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing.
3: Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. FastLine has just released its newest feature, the Price Comparison Tool. The Price Comparison Tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the Price Comparison Tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. (laughs)
5: All of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% 800- and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call
3: 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers
0: need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: And welcome back. House Ag Democrats say a Republican farm bill would cut an estimated 1 million people from food stamps and could slash spending on food stamp benefits by more than $20 billion over a decade. Here to talk about that and react to that is the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Chairman Mike Conaway from Texas. Mr. Chairman, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it.
9: Well, thanks, Michael. Good to be on. appreciate you having me on today.
1: Well, your plan's not even uh... officially out but yet we're hearing this criticism we've heard about this impasse between republicans and democrats over this nutrition title what's your reaction to this criticism
9: well i don't know what uh... I, what the criticism is the million people that you talk about come off the program uh... either of two ways either they've got the job that is paying them more money than uh... than the hundred thirty percent of poverty where they're you're, you're making their own money taking care of their own families or they decide for themselves that uh, meeting these requirements to get the training or get a job is not worth working 20 hours a week on, and they self-select and get off. So those are the only two ways that people get off the program is either they decide for themselves, they don't want to be on it, and this America, you get to make that call, or if you want to better yourself, you want to get off these programs, or you're working the 20 hours or more a week, then you stay on the program. So uh, I'm not sure uh, what the $20 billion is. That's a number that's uh, unfamiliar to me you'll need to talk to. Uh, the folks who made that up to uh, to find that, but uh, we keep all of the money under the current baseline uh, in the program. Uh, we don't uh, we didn't have to come up with any spending reductions. So whatever that ten year baseline is for the existing farm bill, that's what we live under. I keep all of the money in SNAP in SNAP. Keep all the money that's in the other programs in those other programs. So I'm not sure where they're coming up with the twenty billion, but uh, this is a, an opportunity to uh, reinvest. Uh, monies back into job training, guaranteed slots, that if you're 18 to retirement age, that uh, each state will have to provide you a, a training slot that would involve uh, apprenticeships, training, WIOA, um, subsidized uh, employment, uh, or you're working 20 hours a week, then you're, you're still going to be on these programs. So uh, that's, the, uh, that's the idea. If you're um, elderly, above beyond retirement age, if you're pregnant, a caregiver of a child under 6, uh, or mentally or physically disabled, and, uh, of course, none of these new things apply to you at all. You typically stand on the program under existing uh, existing circumstances. The other thing we've done is that we've modernized the standards by which we measure. Uh, the asset test that uh, has been in place since uh, you know, the early 70s, the last time that number was changed was 1977, we modernized that number by inflating it to, uh, to current dates. We also allow for a savings account that doesn't count against the asset test. Uh, every family ought to have a, a savings account that allows them to We act to emergencies that come up during the month. We think that's good, sound fiscal policy for any family, but especially families on SNAP. We also modernize the vehicle value that does not count against you under the asset test to make sure that you've got that car that's reliable enough to get you to and from work. So these are some of the things that are in the program. Uh, I'm not sure where the criticism is coming from, but I'm anxious to have the conversation.
1: Can you get a farm bill done this year with uh, this kind of opposition to the nutrition title?
9: Um, Well, we'll see where the opposition comes from. Uh, We've had good conversations with the folks who are the most protective of uh, SNAP programs, the NGOs and others out there, Catholic uh, services and others that have had uh, direct uh, keen interest in not cutting food stamps. The conversation we've had with them has been very positive. Uh, They're anxious to see the language, of course. But uh, I think once the American people see this and once my Democrat colleagues see exactly what we're actually doing as opposed to what uh, they've been told it's doing, which is – but what I can tell is not exactly accurate, then um, I think they will see the, the value of it and then join us. I need 218 votes. Uh, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrats. I need 218 votes, and I'm one of them, so I need 217, and I'm looking to find those to get this across the House floor. Uh, I know my colleague, uh, Colin Peterson, uh, would rather just simply rely on the Senate bill. I'm not going to do that. That's not responsible. We need to uh, stand up for American agriculture the proper way by, by getting this thing done. Folks who want to vote against it, vote against it. And they then get to look their their constituents in the eye and tell them why the safety net is not important for production agriculture, why these improvements to SNAP are not important to the SNAP beneficiaries uh, and to the taxpayers of the country. So I'm anxious to have the conversation. We'll get the language out as soon as we get the uh, April 9th Um, baseline official from uh, CBO. Uh, We think we're good to go on that number, but we want to make sure that uh, what we're doing fits in that uh, parameters I've already discussed about no – you know, no reductions in our spending, and if it does, then we'll uh, kick the language out and go to committee pretty quickly, and we'll see who's uh, see where, where everybody is.
1: If you do get it passed, given the differences between your version and what we're seeing and hearing out of the Senate, that would seem to set up a, a pretty uh, tough uh, a negotiation to to come up with something in conference.
9: When has that never been the pro- Where's that never been the circumstance? <laughs> I mean, you know, every farm no. bill out there has had a a uh, arm wrestling match in conference That's in every bill we do i mean you know i get elected to the house of representatives i don't get elected to the House out of the senate my, my colleague uh, pat roberts is going to do a bill that he can get through the 60 votes over there and then we go to conference and just because that might be difficult there's no reason to back up on what we ought to show the american people is the proper uh, good policy now on our on our stat policy three years of working on it 21 hearings to find out what works, what doesn't work, where are the moral hazards associated with it. Not one time during that entire three years did I talk about cutting spending on SNAP. I never said a word about that. What I said was, let's get the policy right, and, and that's what we think we've done. I then said, well, we'll find out what the best policy is. We'll get that scored at CBO to see if we can afford it. And if I, if, we can, if we can afford it, fine, we'll move forward. If we can't, uh, then we'll at least we know what the guideposts ought to look like and how we you know, try to fit the the uh, bill under the under the numbers that we have available. Well, we came up with this good policy that I think is appropriate, and in fact we can afford it. It stays within the parameters I mentioned, and uh, we're ready to move forward. So I think the, the American people are going to help this, uh, with this regard, those who uh, are on SNAP, uh, those who, uh, uh, you know, production agriculture who need the, the safety net associated with the non-SNAP titles will uh, help us get this thing done.
1: I know you hope to get it done this year. You want to get it done this year. Do you think it will get done this year?
9: There's no reason for it not to uh, tell me why it should not get done. Um, we have hard decisions to make. I've got to reset some priorities within the non-snap title to come up with the uh, money for the vaccine bank for foot and mouth disease. We've got some other things going on. They're hard decisions we're going to have to come to re- resetting our priorities. But we're not going to be any smarter in October or next year than we are right now. And so there's no reason that we shouldn't get this done in time for the president to sign it before September 30th. The folks who rely on these programs deserve the, uh, the assurance. Of what the next five years look like, the drama associated with uh, short-term extension, or, uh, the expiration and the threats of permanent law, all of that drama is just wasted effort, wasted energy. We're intelligent individuals. We know what we need to make the decisions on. Let's make those decisions and then, uh, okay. and then move forward. There's no reason to put it Thank
1: off. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Appreciate your time.
9: Good to be with you, Mike.
8: Thank you, buddy. Good,
1: good luck. Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Mike Conaway on AOA.